Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Monday edition of the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN with Brandon Kiley. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Tanner is with us as well. We're going to visit with former Cardinal Shane Robinson. I got to ask you, Tanner, that that had to be a tough get after he already appeared on the show last week for two questions. Oh, that one I got pretty easily, actually. Did you? Okay. Just just making sure. Uh, looking forward to that. So we'll see if he's having lunch with another former uh, pro athlete that we can, say, pass the phone to. And, and then we'll know. get them on a couple days later. Exactly. So it'll be perfect. Uh, entertaining weekend of sports, BK. That was fun. Even though the Cardinals dropped two of three. We'll get into the good and bad in just a moment. But I was glued to my television. Now, you're the casual golf fan, right? Yeah, I am. I, I did not watch yesterday. I was in oh. a car coming back from Chicago. Uh, so, so I didn't awesome. see live any of the PGA championship did go back and rewatch of course the highlights and everything I mean what a great story it's unbelievable Phil is one of those guys that was constantly rooted for as a fan favorite and then now for him like post Tiger era of of golf and maybe post we'll we'll see with that right but for right now the post Tiger era for him to be able to come out on top with Kepka being the other guy that he was going to he- head to head with, I think that is part of this that made it so special. Yeah, I, I was just glued to my TV, and I'll uh, I'll be really interested in the um, the rating that CBS gets. It has to be. I, here's my guess: it's probably going to be Tiger esque type rating. Ooh. I don't know. There was a lot of head to head competition. That's the only issue: is you had the NBA playoffs taking place at the same time. I get it. I get it. I, I know. I mean, because I was flipping back and forth with the Blues, too. So, I sure. mean, I'm, I'm part of that, uh, what you're talking about, head-to-head. I just, holy smokes, was that fun. And the drama. And he was so deliberate with everything he was doing and visualization and all the different stuff that he had. So, it was it was just awesome. A also, guy at Dan, 50 winning the PGA. To your point of the, the fans in the stands that we were talking about oh, yeah. on Friday, I mean, you, we don't talk about that very often in golf. We did certainly when it was here in St. Louis because what a crowd that was. But this weekend, I think you saw the impacts that that can have. It was an unbelievable crowd out there for that. The overhead shot of him going to 18 and there's people 10, 15 deep all together. I got goosebumps thinking about it. It's, it's just great to have sports back, but the fans back and, you know, them being able to get into it like they did which is one of the notes that i had here for baseball friday night bases loaded yachty gets introduced to come up i'm telling you bk the roof was ready to blow off a of bush stadium and there was twenty five thousand fans there so we're still 15 to 17 short of a technically full house place was going wild man they it was loud it was entertaining until about the eighth inning then it turned into a blowout then on Saturday, Yachty hits the home run. We had the marriage proposal and everything, <laughs> yeah, whatever. But it it uh, it was fun. Last night, I was at the ballpark. I took uh, my two daughters and my wife to the game, and we just sat in the seats and enjoyed it. And it was a great experience, and people were having fun again. It was just, it, it felt like normalcy again. It, it's it's starting to finally get back to that point. I really believe that. I agree with you. This was, uh, I've, we've said there were checkpoints along the way a number of times, but this was the weekend for me that felt more 
normal. Um, basketball, I was watching the NBA playoffs over the weekend, and you could tell, like, Madison Square Garden yesterday was electric yep. for that Knicks postseason game. Same thing for the Blues games. Like, you could feel the intensity more with the fans in the stands, Cardinals all weekend long, like we said with the PGA champion. It was just, obviously, you didn't love the results for the Cardinals and the Blues this weekend, but it was a great sports weekend all the way around from a pure viewer perspective. So the Cardinals, what's uh, the reason they dropped two or three? To me, it's runners in scoring position, four for 24. Mm. And then you look at the game last night, bases loaded, hardier lineup coming up, and they do not score. That was the game right there. And the Cubs did not get a runner till uh, at second until the phantom runner, if you will, or whatever they want to call it in extra innings. And Javi Baez finally got uh, to Reyes and hit one out. So it was an entertaining game, entertaining series. Uh, the Cubs are hanging around. They're now two back. But this is also going to be a test for the Cardinals coming up starting tonight. You're going to get Lance Lynn against Tony La Russa and the White Sox. That's a very good White Sox team. Then you go out to Arizona, never an easy place to play. Ball flies out of that ballpark. Then the Dodgers. So Hey, this is a tough 10-game stretch right right now for the Cardinals, and they're going to have to do it without Miles Michaelis, which is the other part of this, is that they looked like they had something going with a six-man rotation, get through the 17 days and 17 games in a row, and maybe you reevaluate at that point. The other part of this, too, is that the bullpen issues reared its ugly head on Friday night. So Cardinals have some decisions, maybe some tinkering to think about here in the uh, next couple of days. Yeah, we thought the Miles Michaelis return was going to help you with the underbelly of the bullpen, right? We talked about this on Friday. You were going to potentially, after the 17-game stretch, be able to put John Gann into the pen, and that made you feel much better about your options coming out of the bullpen. Well, now that is once again a problem for you. So you've got a spot in the rotation that you have to handle, and it also has a cascading effect onto your bullpen. And they have three guys right now that they can trust out there, Dan. It really is as simple as Cabrera, Gallegos, Reyes. If it's not one of those three coming into the game right now, we talk about the circle of trust on BK and Ferrario. There's nobody else even approaching that circle right now. Not for me, at least, coming out of the pen. uh, I'm with you. Those are the three. Helsley at times, but it's hit and miss. Yeah. And that's the problem. And then your left side of the bullpen is not good right now outside of uh, Hennessy's Cabrera. So maybe Andrew Miller comes back. Tyler Webb is, is really in a funk right now. Not throwing strikes too. Cody Whitley has had some issues here the last two times out. So they have some issues in terms of what they want to do from the left side. So I, I think of it this way. BK, when when you have a three batter minimum, I don't necessarily look at lefty lefty matchup. I, now I look at just splits. Is there somebody out there that can get both lefties and righties? Because generally speaking, what managers are doing now is just you know right left right left. So it becomes where if you wanted to go with Andrew Miller to get two lefties out, well he's got to get righties out too. That is where they're at. So who can do that? To me, it's Gallegos, Reyes, Cabrera, John Gant. Yep. So John Gant maybe is the guy that has to go to the bullpen out of necessity, but now he can't because that's, of Michaelis. That's the thing is if he, if Michaelis was back and healthy, you'd feel great about that, but he's not back. He's not healthy right now. He's back on the 10 day IL. And Dan, this goes back to what I said early on about Michaelis. If he gives you anything, that's gravy for me. It, it, I wish that I wasn't having to say that, but this is why when you've got a guy that has consistent arm issues, it stinks. I hope he's able to get back to full form. You saw it for four innings. He looked really good, like a guy that was going to help this rotation. But then it rears back up again. So 
it, it's a little bit more urgency now that has to be felt by the Cardinals with this pitching situation. And I don't know that there's a lot of great options. Trading this early in the season is tough. It takes two to tango. You got to find another team that's willing to send you an arm. Going down to the minors, I, I don't know that you want to be pulling in Liberator or Thompson this early on before they've got some innings under their belt in the minor league season. It's a lot of stress right now for the Cardinals front office to fix this. Cardinals 25th, by the way, in average with runners in scoring position. Mm -hmm. So that has got to change. They're hitting 227, though they're tied for first in home runs with runners in scoring position with 18. It's kind of all or nothing when you look at the offense. And we've talked a lot about that. You know, that is just how the game is played. I don't like it, but that's how the game is played. I mean, you've got guys that are launch angles, swinging for fences, and that's what you're hoping you're going to get. However, there is... The identity of certain teams that you say hit the ball to the right side, put the ball in play. And that seventh inning yesterday with the bases loaded, that was the game. you got to get that run in, if not two. Especially with the top of the order coming That's up. That's right. You know, I mean, you had Edmund, you had Goldie, you had uh, Arenado. And the fact that none of those three were able to bring a run in, that stunk. And that hurt. Um, I also felt like in that spot, Dan, and I'm not arguing they should. I want to be clear here up front. Not arguing they should have taken Wayno out in that spot. But I do think that decision was kind of influenced by the issues for this team right now. The bench isn't particularly strong. So in that spot, you didn't have somebody that forced Mike Schilt to go to him where it's like, okay. And your bullpen. Absolutely. That's the other. So you don't have a strong bench. You're going to have to use another bullpen arm that you probably don't want to use when you take Wayno out of the game. And then the top of the order, the batter, the runners in scoring position issues, they reared their ugly head again. So it's it's all of that in one one single spot in the seventh inning. Agreed. I totally agree. The other thing, too, though, I look at and I can counter that by saying, well, if he gets the bunt down and we get to keep him in there, I don't have to go to my bullpen like we're talking about. And you know what? At this point, he's our best option. The 39 year old guy is our best option. And. He's, he's still dealing. He was coming off of some extra rest. And uh, the other part of this is that if he gets the bunt down, which more times than not he does because he's good at sacrificing, again, not always, but most times, is that, like you said, I got Edmund coming up. I got Goldie. I got somebody's going to bring him in. So uh, to me, it made the decision a lot easier. Now, if you were in the bottom of the lineup and had to do that, he'd say, well, maybe we got to we got to roll the dice and get a bench player out there and take our crack at it. But Man, just didn't work out. It's just one of those games. I didn't have an issue with them keeping him in there. I just thought it was kind of symbolic of the things that yeah, are an yeah. issue for the team right now. Like if you had, but if, if you're you had, if you're in his seat, you're saying, okay, is my best shot going to somebody in the bullpen and to get to Alex Reyes? Probably not, because I, you know, and who's the guy that you want up in that spot, right? It, like Matt Carpenter right. ended up taking a walk and more power to him, but that. The result from what you got out of Wayno is the same as if Matt Carpenter had walked in that yep. spot against a righty on the mound. So it's you don't have anybody forcing your hand. You don't have a great bench bat. You don't have a great reliever to come in for that eighth inning. It it made the decision, honestly, pretty easy for Mike Schilt to leave Wayno in when you wanted it as a Cardinals fan to be really hard to leave Wayno in that spot. Edmundo Sosa uh, got to third on a throw that was a little bit errant. Um, didn't have a great secondary lead. Didn't matter. He got there. He was safe, and he had the bases loaded, and the Cardinals could not come through. Sosa's given this team a little jolt. He's been fun to watch. He is, I've said to you many times, very, very good glove man. I think we've seen that, especially last night. Wayno had a lot of ground ball outs, and a lot of them were pulled to shorter up the middle. 
and he's given you a little spark offensively. So it's been fun to see him play, and that's one of the uh, positives I took from the weekend too. It's been great to watch. Yeah. And right now, I, I don't know when they're expecting to get Paul DeYoung back. I don't know how long that's going to be. I know I think it was Friday. Uh, Mike Schultz said that Paul DeYoung was still dealing with some soreness anytime that he was waking up. But Sosa in six games as a starter is batting 526. Yeah. You don't take this dude out right now. Even if Paul DeYoung was healthy, I'm riding the hot hand. And when when you're no longer playing like this, Edmundo Sosa, okay, we'll go back to our guy. Paul DeYoung's our starter. But for the here and now, I can't take that guy out of my lineup. It's given you production. I don't know if I would say, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you. And here's why. Okay. I got to look at the full season. Now, People are going to counter what I say by saying, well, Paul has been bad since second half of 2019, hasn't played well. That That's legitimate. However, you're invested in this guy for a couple of years, and if he can get hot, then you really got something else in the middle of your lineup, and he's been your guy. So it, you got to be careful about you know the message you send to your guy. That's sure. the only thing I would say. But I would also say this. For instance, if he was healthy, you, you're going into a, a series where you have a day game coming up on Wednesday. Paul, you got you got the first two games, so so you got the you got you're, you're penciled in. You're going to start the unless Paulie goes out and hits eight bombs, then well, it's a different story. But I think generally speaking, I got to look to get him in the lineup a little bit more, and for two reasons: one, he's produced, and two, with Paul DeYoung, I think we want to make sure we keep him fresh. That's been a problem. So yeah, he, and he's earned it. I think that's something you got to consider. He absolutely has. And the other thing this does, maybe the most important thing, is it gives you the the benefit of time with Paul DeYoung. Hey, DeYoung, you want to get your timing back because things weren't going well even prior to this injury. Send you down on a little bit of a rehab stint so that way you can potentially face some guys that you can hit a little better, build your confidence back up. And Edmundo Sosa's done a good enough job that we feel good about this. We can, after the 10-day IL stint, you can go play three, four games down in AAA and then come back and you'll get your starting spot back. But in the in the here and now, I feel really confident about Edmundo Sosa at shortstop. The other thing this does, Dan, is it allows you to potentially give Tommy Edmond a couple of days off here and he's there at second it. base. I think he's starting a little. I think he needs a day here or there. And you can see that. And Edmundo Sosa is good enough defensively that you're not going to have a massive drop off at second the way that you did with Matt Carpenter when he filled in. So I think it helps you there as well. Here's another thing, too, to consider. You could put DeYoung at short, Sosa at second, and move Tommy Edmond to the outfield when you don't have production from one of the corner spots. Now, Carlson has been out with a bad back the last couple of days. Justin Williams, to me, has been ineffective, but you are going to get Tyler O'Neill coming back. So that's something to think about if you have some injuries and if things lined up properly. This team's beat up right now. They, that, they are. That's the biggest thing. Like, over the weekend, we've already had some texts, and 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show, saying something to the effect of, how are you guys not more, disappointment, more disappointed, more frustrated after that weekend series? For me, it just comes down to the health of the team. I mean, you've got a bunch of dudes out right now on the injured list, and so similar to the Blues midway through the year where I wasn't judging them the same way, during that period of time, I'm going to give the Cardinals a little bit of a reprieve when Michaelis, Hicks, Miller, DeYoung, Carlson, and O'Neal are all either on the IL or hurt right now over the weekend. Can't wait to watch tonight, by the way. KK against old buddy Lance Lynn. I get a kick out of Lance Lynn. I consider him a friend, and I thought he was great with the media here. He was awesome <laughs> to me. So I'm looking forward to this. And, uh, don't think he doesn't have a little extra tonight for the Cardinals. You know he does. So, looking forward to seeing that. And Tony La Russa. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK. The podcast powered by I Promise. 
first plate appearance here for Shane. Robinson, a high fly ball, deep left center field. It is gone! The Cardinals' second home run of the night. This time, Sugar Shane, his second of the year, and the Cardinals lead it 9-2. Shane Robinson had some good moments here in St. Louis and has been kind enough to join us here on 101 ESPN with PK. I'm Danny Mack. Shane, uh, again, for the second time, great to hear your voice. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. And for people that maybe weren't listening last week, which is a problem, they should have been, uh, we had Matt Caps on, and you were going to lunch with Matt, and so he handed you the phone, and we had you on for just a couple of minutes, but we wanted to get you on for an extended interview. Where are you now, and what are you doing these days? Um, I'm, I'm kind of in the same neighborhood as Matt. I'm uh, living in Alpharetta, Georgia, and uh, just recently finished the game of baseball, and trying to figure out kind of what I want to do next and um, have some things kind of in line right now that I'm working on with Matt. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, enjoying some family time and hanging out with my girls. Shane, when you look back at your time here in St. Louis now with the benefit of hindsight, what what immediately pops into mind for you? What are some of the memories that flood into the back of your, your mind? Um, I mean, for one, I didn't realize how good I had it until uh, till leaving St. Louis. And, and, you know, you hear it all the time, the best fans in baseball. Some people who don't realize how good the fans are might think it's a cliche statement. But honestly, I can say with all the places that I've played at, uh, St. Louis does have the best fans in baseball. And uh, just really enjoyed my time there. I had both my, my daughters were born there and just a lot of good memories for me in that city. What stands out about playing here? What what was it about uh, being in St. Louis, being at Bush Stadium, or being in this organization? And you you were able to bounce around a little bit, play for other places. But what is it about here? I mean, I can say it, BK can say it, but coming from a player's perspective, it's it's it holds truth. Yes, I mean, you know, I, I just think the St. Louis based they just go about everything the right way. They they develop players from a young age so that. Um, when they're called up to the big leagues, they they know exactly what they're going to get from that that player consistently, and um, you know, and, and there's a respect on both ends. You know, you're treated like an adult from day one. You know, and and it's ultimately your decision if if you want to get better and improve and do the right things to to help the team. And uh, I think a lot of it was based on being a team. And I mean, I still have so many good friends that I played with in St. Louis that I still talk to go on vacations with going hunting trips and, um, still talk to this day. And so, um, you know, I think it's just ingrained from day one, what a ball player, a, a human, a man is supposed to look like. And I think they encompass that, uh, fully. Shane, you ended up having nine years in the bigs. Who are some of the coaches or your fellow players that when you look back on your minor league career or when you were in the big leagues that had the biggest influence on allowing you to have that nine-year career? Who are some of those guys that, that helped you do that? Wow, I mean, there's, there's quite a few. Um, you know, but I, I guess some guys that kind of jump out to me uh, off the bat would be a Mike Matheny. Um, uh, Chris Maloney in AAA with the Cardinals was was big for me. Um, just kind of getting getting me out of my unselfish phase of life and and realizing like there's a bigger picture there. Um, Paul Molitor with the Twins was great. 
Um, um, geez. Uh, there, there are some good ones. I mean, it's, it's hard. I played for a lot of good uh, managers and coaches and, uh, you know, I try to take a little bit from each of them as I, as I moved and developed and, and just learned how to become a baseball player. Did you play for Mike Schilt in the minor leagues? I, I, I wasn't sure if your two pass had crossed. No, but I did not play for him, but I ran across him a bunch. And, uh, it was funny cause we all, we got along from, from day one. And so, um, and even, uh, Oliver Marmel, we, uh, you know, they would, uh, bounce back and forth from uh, the minor leagues and, and kind of help out in big league camp and stuff. And so I uh, knew those two very well um, all, all through my Cardinal career and um, just really happy for where they've where they started and where they're at now. Shane Robinson joining us here on 101 ESPN. Shane, talking about some of these coaches that, that helped you throughout your career. Uh, the hitting coach is always somebody that comes under scrutiny by the fan base, of course. I'm, I'm curious from a player's perspective and your time in the big leagues, what is it that a hitting coach, what, what do they help you with specifically? Like when, when you are inside of that clubhouse and you, you approach the hitting coach or they approach you, what are some of the things that on a day-to-day basis they're helping you with? Um, for me, mainly it's the, it's the mental aspect of, of going up and performing against, I mean, these pitchers that are throwing ridiculousness, um, you know, velocity and movement on their balls. It's, can't, you know, the TV camera doesn't really do it justice until you actually step in the box. And so just giving them uh, the opportunity to, to talk to you and slow things down, help you understand that it's a gradual process and that, you know, if, if you're in a slump or things aren't going right for you, that you're going to eventually get out of it. We just got to work to a point where things are simplified and, and you're able to go up there and have some success. And, uh, and for me, you know, I, was, I wasn't an everyday player. So learning how to come off the bench and put together a consistent good at bat and learning how to take a positive from a bat when, you know, I could go for a two-week strand and, and not get – a single hit. And so learning how to take the positives from those at bats to propel me into my next at bat, because I'm always going to have another chance to, to do something for the team. And so um, that was a gradual process for me, being able to get in a groove and be an everyday guy, but, you know, understanding, Hey, this is my job. I got to play good defense and I have to have positive, good at bats, uh, productive at bats, whether it was, you know, making the pitcher throw, six pitches versus, you know, me swinging at the first pitch and putting it in a play and getting out things like that, that might, you know, a fan might not necessarily understand, but you know, if a starter's in there and I'm getting in there and I'm getting his pitch count up and then getting him into the bull, you know, getting the other team into the bullpen is, is a positive for our team. So um, those are things I had to learn because obviously you want to go and you want to, you want to do well and get hits and you know, have the fans not, not be disappointed in you and your family and your teammates and coaches and things like that. So there's a lot of pressure on guys. And, um, you know, we're every guy that, that steps into that batter's box is trying their best every day. How did you get through all the analytics and then also video and then be able to kind of take all that in there, mix it all up and have a game plan? Because there's so much uh detail to that and there's so much information that is readily available for any hitter any pitcher how, how do you try to simplify it when you get all that stuff well it when i first got called up to the big leagues it wasn't um it wasn't that uh 
evident in the game with the analytics. Um, but as I gradually um, stayed and, and progressed, it, it got more and more uh, relevant. And so um, to start off, I had to figure out what worked for me. Um, and I, I realized that as I got older, that was being taught at the lower levels, you know, because they were getting so much information. So you had a chance to figure out at the lower levels how much information you needed um, versus what you didn't. And so I had to kind of learn that, you know, in the big leagues, which was good at some points, but sometimes you could get flooded with too much info. And, you know, it just depends on what kind of player you are and what works for you and, and, and finding that out early. And, uh, you know, I've realized that a lot of teams are trying to get as much information as they can to help give, you know, players an advantage when they uh, step on the field. We're talking to Shane Robinson here on 101 ESPN for another few minutes. Shane, when you look back at uh, the early portion of your career here in St. Louis, you had guys like Matt Carpenter and Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright playing with you on those teams. And we just saw Wayno again last night. Cardinals didn't come out on the winning end, but he throws eight innings. He allows two hits total over the course of the game. Can, can you believe this guy? And then Yachty as well with another home run over the season. Can you believe that they are still playing at this level eight years after that 2013 team? I do. I, I can believe it. Um, and it, and it, I learned a valuable lesson my first year in big league camp when I was in the locker room and I was sitting there in the morning before the meeting and there might've been two or three guys in their locker. And I was thinking to myself, man, where's everybody at? Like what, what is going on? We have a meeting in 20 minutes. What, you know, what's everyone doing? So I just got my shoes on started walking around and there's guys in the gym, there's guys in the cages. Um, there's guys on the backfield, uh, guys getting in work, maximizing the amount of downtime they had to become better uh, at their craft. And so, um, like I said, the things that are instilled in you in, in Cardinals, uh, in, in the Cardinals organization is something I haven't seen in a lot of other organizations and, and they maximize, um, you know, the, the schooling that they do with their players. And, um, so yeah, I, those guys were the hardest workers when I first got into camp. And so I was kind of like the fly on the wall and watched and learned from them and, you know, eventually got the courage to start talking to him and <laughs> develop a friendship with him uh, those many years later. My final question for you, Shane, as you and, and Matt are helping young kids, and for people that don't know, they should Google you, and, and we try to talk about it all the time. You were a highly decorated college player. You had one of the best college careers in the history of college baseball. So as you're teaching these young kids and then to have nine years of big league experience, are you teaching launch angle? Are you teaching line drives? What, what are you guys teaching these kids? Because uh, we need to get back to the style of play that you were a part of. Well, um, it's funny you say that because there's a lot of um, theories and and uh, uh, things like that out there that um, young kids can hit like major league ball players, and I think eventually they can, but. At this moment, I think instilling in them the basics of hitting is so important. Um, you know, uh, to me, launch angle is a term that, you know, basically gives you a number to a line drive swing. And so for me, consistency is huge and being comfortable. And so I try to get, you know, most kids to, to start with a comfortable stance where they feel strong in their legs. And we're going to, you know, I tell them the lower half starts with that. And then we're going to, 
no longer think about hitting the ball uh, into the outfield. We're going to think about driving it to the outfield. So I have little mental things that I work with kids. Um, try not to mess with them too much, um, you know, mechanically at this age, just because they're not strong enough to really, um, you know, repeat a swing unless they can think about what they're trying to accomplish. And so try to instill in them some basics on, you know, using your legs, staying strong in your legs. And we're, you know, I always tell them drive through the ball, not, not hit the ball over the fence. So, uh, I got little, little things that I do and, uh, it seems to have worked and, you know, Matt and I have, uh, kind of joined forces him doing the pitching and me doing the hitting and, uh, um, you know, out of a little, uh, metal building, uh, down the street from both our houses. And then, uh, eventually we're going to move into a, uh, uh, performance um, uh, facility that has been around this area for a while and, and trains a lot of high schoolers, minor leaguers, and big leaguers. And so uh, we'll be in there in probably the next month or two and seeing how that goes. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for doing this as always. We appreciate it. And uh, don't be a stranger. I want to see you back here in St. Louis very soon. Yes, sir. I think um, we are um, – my wife and I are heading up in September for the uh, 10-year anniversary. So awesome. we'll be at that game. Awesome. And uh, looking forward to seeing you guys in person. You bet. Thanks for doing this, Shane. Yes, sir. You Thank got you it. for having me. You got it. That's Shane Robinson, uh, former Cardinal. And um, I mentioned his highly decorated college career. He was awesome. Like, you you, you know, you, you look at him. He's not the prototypical Big slugger, that kind of stuff. But his college career, man, was incredible. Set incredible. a school record with a 40-game hitting streak, the 11th longest in yep. college baseball history. That ain't bad, Dan. That's and he not did, bad. did it at a pretty good program, too. Yeah, Florida State's all right. Yeah, Seminoles are pretty good. Coach Martin's not too bad, does a good job down there. John Nagowski. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, anytime you can get into John Nagowski reference, you're going to do That's it. That's right. Hey, Dan, I have a question for you because yes, uh, Shane was talking about a comfortable batting stance for some of the young players that he's playing with. Right. And I was reading about Yadier Molina over the weekend. There was a piece about him and they put together a man of a thousand stances compilation of his stance last year versus his stance this year. He's more upright. He's got the bat now on his shoulder as opposed to hanging straight up. It's interesting because I I feel like he has completely changed his approach this year. Mm -hmm. In the past, he's been a guy that does not strike out. He hits for contact, and he doesn't hit for a ton of power. He's had moments where he does, but overall, not a big power guy. This year, he seems to be a grip-it-and-rip-it type of a player until he gets that two-strike approach, and then he changes things up, kind of reverting back to his normal approach. But it's been really interesting for me to watch his change evolution at the plate this year as a 40 year old catcher it, it seems like it shouldn't be possible and yet he's he's doing something that i didn't think was going to happen this year he looks a little bigger to me too definitely and by design i'm sure for the wear and tear of the season but yeah he's showing more power than he's had in a number of years it's incredible he's kind of recreated himself at the plate probably realized this is where the game is going got to do it but I, i'm with you yeah he's when he first came up to bk he would change his stance i mean You'd see first inning one way and the ninth inning is another way. Just, you know, out of comfort. By the way, I don't want you to get emotional when I tell you this, and I'm I'm hoping people out there won't get emotional. You ready? You got Kleenex? I'm ready. Umpire Joe West is on track to tie the all-time record for most major league games umpired in history at tonight's White Sox Cardinal game. Oh, boy. Uh, It's obviously in Chicago. It'll be – now, this is pretty incredible. It'll be – 
take a guess how many games. For Joe West? Yeah. God. Um, let's see here. 162 each year. He's been doing it for what? 30 years now? So 4,500? 5,000? 5,375th game, will, which will match Bill Clem, who is a Hall of Famer. But that'll be tonight, 5,375 Major League umpired games. That is one heck of an accomplishment. Well, it won't be worse than the game that we saw last night umpired. Ooh, that was a rough <laughs> one behind the play, wasn't it? Yeah, that was not good. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Wrapping up uh, this edition of the Danny Mac Show on a Monday, and I'm sure you guys are going to be talking a lot about the Blues, kind of a post-mortem uh, here on what's happened with the Blues. They were swept out of the playoffs by the Avalanche. Avalanche look awesome. They just look awesome. That's all there was. I mean, it was a, they were overmatched. There's no doubt, especially with Perron out. Yeah, I mean, it, this came down to by the end of the series, the Blues were without the vast majority of their high-end players, like Perron, Sonny, yeah. Dunn, Gunnarsson, Falk. Bortuzzo, you just had too many guys that were hurt. And even with all of those players, still would have been a tall task. But without them, they just didn't have any chance against that team. So correct me if I'm wrong here, BK. We were talking between the break, and I'm sure you were doing some research. But I was thinking this is the first time that Tony La Russa will manage against the Cardinals because interleague play began in 1998. Tony was the manager of the Cardinals starting in 96, finished in 2011. And I don't recall, unless I'm wrong, the Cardinals face the A's in any postseason play. So this would be the first time that Tony will have been a manager on the opposite side against the St. Louis Cardinals. Think about that. I think that is correct. And it's wild to think about. Um, And I am... I wish this game was in St. Louis just to see what the reception would be like, both for him and for Lance Lynn as well. I think both would have had a standing ovation, to say the least. Um, But it's going to be kind of strange, kind of cool, just an interesting dynamic between those guys. And I brought up Lance Lynn, Dan. I think that's the guy that they need. The Cardinals need KK to pitch like this year. Doesn't have to be 100% Lance Lynn. He's been great, especially the last couple of seasons. But if there is one player that I think there's the most pressure on coming off of this Miles Michaelis injury, it's KK. He hasn't gone into the seventh inning in any game so far this season. Cardinals needs, have been reluctant to leave him in games. I don't think he's gone past like 95 pitches so far this right. year. So he he's the guy that needs to step up the most. He has 270 RA on the season. That's good, but they, they need more depth out of him. This is a White Sox team that has had, you know, two major injuries, but yet, and we can talk about Tony, all we want, they're they're playing well. You know, I mean, you may not like all the stuff that goes along with him, but you know what? He's got him. He's got him playing pretty well here. With just what the quarterway point of the season. Yep. So, um, I do find that interesting. The other sidebar I kind of find interesting. Mike Schilt is very close to Tony. Those two. I asked Mike the other day. I said, "How often do you still talk to Tony?" He said, "Well, it used to be, you know, about every day when he was in his different roles, not in in uniform." But he said, we're still talking a couple times, three times a week, just going over scenarios, what's happening. So I, I, I don't know. I just always find that interesting. You, you got the student, if you will, against the professor. And 
um, makes it fun. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch uh, how this handles, uh, how it's handled here tonight. Yeah, and the Cardinals did not get any breaks when it came to the pitching matchups. You no. got Lynn, Giolito, and Rodon in this series. Giolito against Flaherty. That That's makes be it amazing. High school teammates yeah. going up against one another. That'll be a lot of fun. So it, it's a great series. It really is. We, we mentioned earlier this season the measuring stick six-game stretch against the Brewers and then the Padres over that weekend. Brewer series went very well. Padre series did not. Right. I'm interested to see once again against one of the best teams in the American League how the Cardinals stack up head to head. I wish the Cardinals were more healthy. That's the one thing that makes this a little tough is like, is Carlson going to be available tonight? I don't know. I hope so though. DH, who do you put in? Oh, good question. I guess it depends. Like going back to the Carlson question, is is he available? Exactly. My guess would be they go with Matt Carpenter. That He's would your be my guess. Guy coming off of the bench right now, and, and I a think right hander on the mound. I think that also speaks to where this bench is at right now. So the DH will be in play. You will have uh, Tony LaRusso and you're going to have Lance Lynn. So there's a lot of sidebars and it's a banged up team, as you mentioned, as the Cardinals begin a 10 day road trip. I I, I kind of think this is a measuring stick type uh, barometer, if you will, of where the Cardinals are at, because White Sox, really good team, Arizona down but yet not an easy place to play historically and then you got the Dodgers they're real good and six, you get to see Albert six and four better that that would be a Ooh, that'd successful be a really good trip for me six and four would be a really good trip yeah that, I, I, I mean you've, just, got, you've got Arizona in there I know it's a tough place to play but you've got four against the Diamondbacks there you have not been very good this season that's a team that you should take three out of four against you would like to think so if you could go three and f- three and one against the Diamondbacks and then out of the other six games go basically 500 against the White Sox Dodgers that to me is what would deem it a success anything less than that might be a little disappointing doesn't mean it's a failure but a success is six or more wins do you notice me. the crowd by the way on Friday night how loud it got I was saying that on the the game. I said, you know, I hope this is hope wherever you're watching your speaker, your phone, the speakers coming out of your television, whatever, that you are getting a sense that um, the crowd is into it. I almost think like this weekend was a little bit of a relaunch of normalcy, specifically this weekend. For the first time, I felt that. I mean, it's great having even just 15,000 fans back, but you're close to 30. They're making noise, watching the PGA, all the people following Phil, the massive crowd on 18. Um, it just feels like some of the, the arenas are open for hockey. You're seeing what it used to be like, and now it's back. I love it. I mean, it just it feels it, it, we're getting there. It's getting back to some sense of normalcy in sports. Do you know when the Cardinals? I, I should have this date in front of me. I June do not. 14th. That's the when they go back to full capacity yes. officially. That's going to be an unbelievable experience for Cardinals fans. I think so, too. I, I think so, too. I, I do. I uh, I think it's against the Marlins. It is. Historically, you don't draw great. I mean, you look, we're in St. Louis, so you're going to get 38,000 on a Tuesday night against the Marlins in the middle of the summer. But this particular series, I'll be interested to see how many people come out. Now, the other thing you got to remember, too, BK, and talking with some people that are involved, not just with the Cardinals, but in sports, Buying habits have changed. Sure. So you got to get those routines back to where people say, oh, we can go to a game. What or was we... it like for you over the weekend to go out there as a fan? Oh, it was it was great. You know, it, it, I'm fully vaccinated. So and my family is. So, you know, we went and went without a mask and sat down, had some nachos, enjoyed the game. It was just like being back in, you know, back the way it was. It was great. 
How about you? You've been down there. So what was it like I for did. you? It was great. Um, we had a blast. And I'm in some ways, I'm going to miss the smaller crowds. Easy to get in, easy to get out. Uh, there's no, you're not fighting through people on the concourses. But there are other things where it's just like big moment in the game. 40,000 fans roaring out of their seats. And then you get the hit. You become best friends with those around you. You're high five and everything. Like that's the stuff that you miss going to the games at the full capacity. So no I'm looking doubt. forward to that finally being the case. You and Alex have three hours coming up. What are you uh, getting into? Yeah, lots of blues, as you would imagine, Dan. Uh, we'll go through what went wrong for the blues in this series, how they make sure not to have that go wrong for them in the future. So we'll go through kind of a postmortem on this blues season also the urgency with the cardinals pitching right now they have an issue with miles michaelis going down on the injured list and what that could mean for the rest of his season and what that means for the bullpen because friday night i think that was a little bit of a wake-up call for the cardinals when it came to their their bullpen issues other than the top three guys. All right, looking forward to that. Got to tell you about FanDuel. Add a little excitement to your sports watching experience. Bet on all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. There is a reason that FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. All the odds and all the biggest sports. They make it simple and intuitive to place your bets. It's the place to go for exciting bet types. You get same game parlays on the NBA with the NBA playoffs going on. I love betting the NBA. So same game parlay, multi-sport parlay insurance, the $5 dinger Tuesday tomorrow, and they believe that beating the spread is hard enough so unlike other sports books FanDuel doesn't make you jump through hoops when you want to withdraw your winnings if you haven't signed up FanDuel giving you $100 in free bets first real money wager risk-free up to $1,000 in order to sign up check out FanDuel's new sports book racetrack in East St. Louis formerly Fairmont Park and just head on over there bet on the horses bet on what they have on the TVs it's a great place to be just head on over to FanDuel Sportsbook and horse racing to get in on the action must be 21 and older present in Illinois site credit is non-withdrawable expires in seven days after receipt $10 minimum deposit required to withdraw any winnings see full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER we'll visit with former Cardinal and a world champion of the White Sox Cliff Polite tomorrow on the show we'll see you at 10 You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.